Amen. I am thankful for that. Yesterday I was in a meeting and there was a little sliver of a window and I saw this thing that looked like sunlight and I thought, I haven't seen that in so long. Whew, thank the Lord for that. He's good, amen. Let's remember to keep the Mays family in prayer. We miss them when they're not here. And uh, they've been working through some sickness, some, some loss in their family, and they could really use the prayers of this body. So just as the Lord would put them on your heart, I'm asking you to keep them in prayer. If you want to reach out to them and let them know or let them know you're thinking about them, that's certainly welcome. If you want to ask them if there's anything they need, that's certainly welcome. Amen. We can minister as the body in that way. Amen. Let's also remember this Thursday night. Have you been enjoying our Thursday night small groups? I've really had a good time with them. This Thursday night is our ladies here at the church. Okay, so all ladies are, are welcome. All of you that are here, if you want to bring someone, that they're all welcome. Uh, I think they need to bring a finger food, right? If you'd like, if you want to participate with that, you can do that as well. But so 7 o'clock Thursday night here for the ladies. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? And uh, we're going to dismiss our children to their classes right now. Their class, that would be singular. We have one class for our children. We're thankful. Sister Schoonover has been doing some Sunday school teaching for us too, so we're thankful for that as well. And uh, she's got her hands full with them, but she's more than capable. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to say also thank you to Brother Timothy for continuing to help me out as we navigate through the digital age here. He's a, uh, the hand of God is on his life, and I don't take that lightly, and I, I'm thankful for his, his knowledge and his expertise and his willingness to help. So thank you, Brother Timothy. Um, why don't we pray one more time before we go into the word. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we're thankful for your presence that's here, God, your spirit that we feel here today. God, I pray that you would speak to us. Let our hearts and our minds be open to receive what you would say to us today, Jesus. God, I pray that we would approach your word with honesty today, with humility, Jesus, and that every part of us, Lord, that you want to reveal in this word, Jesus, let it be according to your will and your leading today. Jesus, our spirits are open to you. Our minds are open to you, God, as we focus on you, God, and your spirit and all that you would say and do here today, God. We thank you in advance, Jesus, that you would speak to us. Lord, we're thankful to you in Jesus' name. One more time, let's just pray for Bishop and the church in Puyallup. Sister Schoonover mentioned that he's there ministering. Lord, we pray that your spirit would be there and flow today, God. We pray the anointing of the word of God. We pray the free flowing of the spirit today in their midst, God, and over to the other congregations as well, God. All that you want to do, Jesus, you are able to do more than we could even ask Jesus, or more than we could even think. We thank you for it today. Can we give the Lord some thanks? God, I thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you for being the answer. I thank you for being the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. You can be seated. I want, to, uh, I want you to look uh, a couple of different passages. Romans chapter 12 is where I'm going to start. Uh, I want to read a few of these verses. And um, I feel like if I've heard one message start at this passage, I've heard a hundred. Um, it's just, it's one of those writings of Paul that is so, always so relevant, always so applicable to us. And uh, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, have heard and, and seen some of the things that he says in these first few verses. But I want to read it uh, down to verse 3. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everyone say your bodies. You know, where my body goes, I go, right? I mean, I can't, I can't present my body a living sacrifice and then say, well, yeah, but my, the rest of me is going to stay home today. I, just, I, I, I don't really want to commit to this. I'll just send my body. No, where your body goes, you go. So he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Everyone say holy. Everyone say holy. Acceptable unto God. I've got to present my body as a living sacrifice, and it has to be holy, and it has to be acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. That word and, I like that. I like how it's strategically placed because I just told you something. I requested you. I be, I, he says, I beseech you. I asked you to do something. And it's kind of like when I have to give my children two different sets of instructions. I need you to take off the garbage, and I need you to put all the shoes away. Now, don't forget, just because you did this one doesn't mean you've done everything I asked you to do. Right? So he says, I beseech you to present your bodies a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world. Just in case you thought you could do one and not the other, right? Holy and acceptable to God, and don't be like the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What we're going to talk about today, I think, mostly has to do with what's in our mind. So be renewed by, by, the, by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me. Paul, is, Paul was just, well, it was really the Holy Ghost writing through Paul. But it's so masterful in so many ways because he can, he can just slip something in there. And you can read it a hundred or a thousand times. And then you realize, oh, this is why he said it. Or this is why he said it the way he said it. He, sa he says, I say through the grace of God given to me, the way that I'm talking to you, the things that I'm telling you, I'm not just doing it because it's good ideas or because it makes sense or it's nice to hear. I'm saying it through the grace of God. To every man. Everyone say every man. Every. Now this is also every woman. This is universal, okay? To every person. I'm saying this to every person. 
that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I'm telling all of you, don't think of yourselves. This is right on the hills of what he said in verse 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world. He's still addressing how you go about living your life. So he says it, don't think more highly than you ought to think of yourself. It kind of sounds like what Sister Schoonover was talking about a minute ago, doesn't it? How we perceive ourselves and what projection we want to make for the way that others see us. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But to think soberly. Everyone say soberly. Everyone, uh, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man. Every man, everyone say every man. I'm making sure you catch these things. They're important. This is not for the three of us that are listening, you know, with our spirit. No, this is for every man, every person. All, everyone say all. All of us have this scriptural mandate to think soberly as God hath given all of us. The very first thing we'd like to do, if I'm being honest, and if we're being honest with ourselves, the very first thing we'd like to do when we come into a setting like this is categorize other people and ourselves. Well, he, he can do that because he's, and she can do that because she's, but I, I, and I'm categorizing. Paul, where's the categories here? No, every man, all of you, think this way. Because God has given every man, all of you, the measure of faith. I don't get to use the excuses that I'd like to pull out and say, well, no, I, I can't because I had this in my past. I can't because I went through this. Yeah, I know he can do that. I know Brother Vance can pray and talk to the Lord and he's close to him because he just spends a lot of time with God. But not me, I can't. Doesn't work that way. I don't get to categorize things like that. God has given you the measure of faith. And He gave it to you knowing what you need. Now, I want to look at a, at a passage here Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We're going to the Old Testament. Now that we know this is how the Lord feels like we should be thinking of ourselves. The proper perspective of myself. Judges chapter 6 verse 1. I'm going to read through this. Just keep up with me. I want, I, we need to get through the, the context here to see what's happening when we're, where we're taking place here. This is a story that took place in the Old Testament. All the details are important. 
It says, the children of Israel did evil. Everyone say, "Uh uh-oh. Or not again. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. You mean God would allow his people to be given over to somebody else for that long of time? Well, I've got news for you. He's done it for much longer times than that. But because of this evil, the Lord gave them over for seven years to Midian. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. The Midianites forced God's people, the Israelites, out of their homes, out of their cities, out of their towns. They had to make dens and caves to live in. Next verse. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth and left no sustenance. Next verse. For they came up with their cattle and their tents. So Israelites are just trying. They, they did evil. <laughs> if we're honest, how many of us have lived here or maybe are even living here now? I know I've done something wrong. I know that God does not approve of that. And so what I'm going to do now is just try to figure out how to live in this state. I, I, I can't go back there. I'm on the run from this. I'm not ready to address that. So, so really what you're doing is you're living without the hand of God covering and protecting your life. That's the state. That, he says he gave them over to the hand of the Midianites. They came and so they destroyed. They de- it says when the Israelites had sown. So this is a regular part, right? This, these were farming people. This is how they lived. It says their sustenance. They can't live if they don't have food. So the Israelites, they're on the run. They sow. They still got their fields, their orchards. They still got their vineyards. And they, they, they try to, to make a, a life that way. And the enemy comes and just destroys it. Takes away their ability to live. Their livelihood. Verse 6, and Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse 7, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel. Notice this, this is important. This is how God works. He's following methodology here. I get myself in trouble because I did something wrong. He removes his hand of covering and protection. And now I'm dealing with the consequences. And now I cry out to God. Lord, get me out of this situation. I don't want to live like this. I want to go back to how it was before. And this is what the Lord did. He sent a prophet. 
We talked about this a little bit last week. What does a prophet do? A prophet is someone that says the word of God to you on behalf of God. A messenger. So the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. I brought you. Remember what I did for you. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you. Does that sound familiar? You were, you're, you're crying out to me from a place of bondage. You're in this situation because of your actions. And you're crying out for help. Now, let me just remind you, through the prophet, <clears throat> let me just remind you, I brought you out of Egypt, the bondage that you were in. Out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and I drove them out from before you, and I gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. There's always a place of honesty that's required. If you want to see the hand of God work in your life. Not honesty on his part. He is honest. He is truth. Every word that he says is true and honest. It requires honesty on my part. When he sends a prophet, a man of God, a brother or a sister to tell you, Hey, remember Remember when you were in trouble last time and, and God got you out of it? He delivered you out of that trouble. And he told you, was it just me or did I hear God tell you? This is what you ought to be doing. Yes, I remember that. That's correct. You are correct. I was there too. That's what he said. But you have not obeyed. This is, this is human nature, okay? This is not get somebody in trouble hour. This is human nature. We're just here talking about the word of God and our place as humans. So you have not obeyed what I said. That's just a little reminder for you. And there came an angel of the Lord. After the prophet had said these things. The angel. He sat under an oak tree, which is an Ophrah. That pertained unto Joash. This is just telling you where the oak tree is. Joash's son named Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it. Remember it said when the Israelites sowed, the enemy came and destroyed. So Gideon is thinking, okay, I'm going to take what little bit I have that's left. I'm going to go over here behind this 
to me, it just sounds like a kind of a big piece of equipment, right? Like a little uh, an implement, a farm implement. I'm going to go stand behind here with what I got <laughs> and thresh wheat because this is all I have left. And the angel shows up. The angel of God. Gideon is just, he's a representation of the Israelites, okay? The, all that we read, it didn't say Gideon did this and Gideon did that and he was wrong about this and he struggled. No, it's all the children of Israel. And they all cried to God for deliverance. So this is how God decides to bring deliverance. He sends the word of God from the prophet first and says, are you going to get into a place of honesty? It's repentance. Are you going to get to that place? And if you do, then let me bring about my will for deliverance. And I'll show you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to send. In this case, it's the angel. The angel is the representation of God's deliverance, his power, his spirit. That doesn't mean we get to go home and say, well, in case, if I don't ever see an angel show up while I'm struggling in my household, I, I don't get to follow. No. See, this is, this is called types and shadows. What the, what the Lord did in the Old Testament, he still wants to do for his people in the New Testament. And he does it through types and shadows. So this angel and the prophet are both representation of the word of God coming to the child of God. Next verse. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> Not me. I'm the guy that's hiding behind this thing and trying to preserve what little I have left. No, the Lord is with you. <laughs> Do you want an answer? You cried for deliverance. You are asking for deliverance. You reached the place of honesty. You reached the place of repentance. Now, do you really want the deliverance? The answer. Because if you do, here it is. The Lord is with you. Now, that sounds too simple. There's got to be something greater than that. Thou mighty man of valor. Next verse. Gideon said to him, O oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles? which our fathers told us of. We know we've heard the stories of Egypt and the plagues and how God brought out our ancestors and he did awesome things and miracles to get them out of that deliverance. And if the Lord is really, if that's, that Lord is our Lord and he's the same and he's with us. Why are we not seeing those things now? Newsflash. How'd you get into the predicament that you're in now? 
It said, it said it at the beginning of this chapter. The, the children of Israel did evil, and the Lord gave them over. He removed himself. I don't know many, I'm sure many of you remember this. I don't know how many months ago it was when, when I was preaching some, and, and what the Lord said was, the worst thing he can do is remove himself from your situation. The worst thing he can, I mean, he can send, he can send uh, uh, punishment, he can send all these things, but at least when, when, th- th- when that's happening, I know he's still working, right? But when he just says, I'm gone, that is far worse than a little bit of chastisement, a little bit of direct word that might hurt your feelings. When he removes himself. And that's what has happened. But see, they cried. They reached repentance. This is all a type and a shadow for us. They reached a place of repentance. They want to change. Yes, we did the evil. We disobeyed God. But we want to change and get right with him. And then it says the Lord sent a prophet and an angel to them. He took that spirit away, and now he's sending it back in the form of his messengers, in the form of his word. But Gideon missed that part, right? All that matters, I said it earlier, the Lord is truth. His word is truth. When an angel of God says God's with you, you don't get to say, well, it doesn't look like it. Well, it sure doesn't feel like it. Are you really going to question that? The Lord is with you. Okay, that's all I need to know. Well, that's, that's when we're high on faith, right? That's all I need to know. Woohoo, let's go. But no, he says, let's look at all the trouble that we're in. If the Lord was really with me, where's all the miracles? He's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Next verse. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. I'm going to show you where I am. I'm going to prove to you that I'm with you. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? This is, con- this is conversation, okay? This is true and honest conversation between God and a human. See, we want to put these Bible, Bible figures way up on a pedestal and think, just like we said in the beginning, we're categorizing. They were awesome. They were heroes. They got to live in times where God was really doing stuff. And here we are in 2020 and we got coronavirus. I mean, really? Really? We want to complain about coronavirus? Thank God he hasn't given us over to the hand of the Midianites. So he says, I I have sent thee. You will defeat. Next verse. And he said unto him, 
O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor. Yeah, he really said that. How am I? You came to the wrong guy. The wrong, you, you're sitting under the wrong oak tree. I mean, you, you didn't even, we don't even have an address for you to go to anymore. You came to the wrong cave. My family is poor. Not only is my family poor, I am the least in my father's house. I'm the least in this poor family. I mean, you could have at least gone to the big brother, right? You could have gone to the favorite child. You could have gone to the one that's got a little bit of promise left. But you came to me the least in my father's house. Next verse. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as, as what? One man. I am with you and you will be a conqueror. You will be victorious. Because I'm with you. Go in this, thy might. This, the this is not your might. It's my might that I told you I'm with you. And now that I'm with you and I've empowered you, I'm giving you what you need to win the fight. I'm almost done. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians 12 and 7. See, we, we, we want to use our excuses to explain our weaknesses and then excuse ourselves from having to do anything. I know that sounded mean. I wasn't trying to be mean. But we want to excuse ourselves from having to do our part. Not me. I'm in the poor house. Not me, I'm the least in the poor house. Not me, I'm not one of my fathers. Not one of, I'm, the ancestors had all the miracles. I've been doing a little bit of reading to my kids some off and on about uh, the Azusa Street Revival in 1900s. And some of you, I'm sure, have heard that and looked, looked up some of that. It's a great book. I, I'll recommend it. It's called The Winds of God. It, it's just one man. It's the story of one man. He wasn't rich. He wasn't powerful. In fact, he even went several years into the revivals that were ongoing before he even got baptized and got the Holy Ghost himself. I mean, I'm thinking, well, I'm picking up this book. This, uh, this is going to be one of these heroes right here. It's like a modern-day Gideon. Well, if 1900s were modern. But, and then, I, I, somehow I missed all that till I got several chapters in. He said, and I still had not received the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, wait a second, pause. Last chapter was about some miracles. The one before that was about some cool stuff and awesome miracles that the Lord was doing. And the Lord led him here and did all that. And 
what we do is, again, we categorize ourselves and others into groups that either God can use or God cannot use. And I think, if this is too honest for you, I apologize, but I think if we ask for a show of hands, well, that's probably not the best way to do this, but if we were honest with ourselves, how many of us want to be in the group that God's not going to do anything with? That sounds like the easy way. Thank you, yes. Give me my ticket to heaven, and I'll see you there. I hope that's not too honest for you. But we want to categorize ourselves and say, let God do that with somebody else. That's what Gideon wanted to do. In his honesty, he says, not me. How's this going to happen? I'm just being honest with you. It looks like total loss. Total defeat. All this, this wheat that I have here is all that they did not destroy. That's not, that's, this is why we're in the poorhouse. We don't have even food for our families. And you're coming to me and you're saying, God is going to use me to defeat an entire army. How? Look at Paul's words again. 2 Corinthians 12. And seven, he says, lest I should be exalted above the measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted, exalted above measure. He says that twice, right? At the beginning and the end of the verse. Lest means so I don't. So I don't exalt myself. Higher than I should. Remember, he, he said in the first passage in Romans, let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to. So lest I exalt myself, uh, because the Lord's done some awesome things through, through Paul. The Lord's shown him some awesome revelations. And so all of that could build him up, right? He could walk around and say, hey, I'm Paul. I'm the guy. I'm the dude. You don't want to mess with me. The Lord has already done some sweet things through me. And so you just step aside. Let me handle this. Nope. He could have gotten there because of all the awesome things that God did through him. But he says it so that I couldn't get to that point. The Lord sent a messenger of Satan. He called it a thorn in his flesh. Something Really, to me, that is something that is a constant reminder that you're a human, Paul. It's not a thorn in his spirit, is it? It's a thorn in his flesh. Constant reminder, you are never going to get higher than just one of these other men. You're never going to be the great and awesome Paul hero, you know, the, the, one, the, the one that writes all this stuff. And, and how am I supposed to think that? about myself if I have this constant reminder of my weakness, of my flesh. Next verse. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That means three times. I asked the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, nope, nope, 
Nope. I mean, uh, God must have been with Paul for him to only have to ask three times. If that's me, if that's us, we're probably asking every day, several times a day, Lord, I don't want this constant reminder that I'm human. I don't want these constant reminders that I'm just flesh and that I'm weak. I mean, just take it away, why don't you? Nope, nope, nope. He has an answer for that, a reason for that. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient. This is the answer. They didn't use these words, but this is the answer that the angel gave Gideon. My grace. It's your might, but it's because of my grace. It's sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Why didn't that angel go to whoever was left was the leader of whatever army was left in Israel and say, I'm going to start here at the top. Find what looks like it could be the closest thing to a warrior left here. No, I need to get down to the bottom. That's where the, the potentially mighty men of valor are. I'm looking for the weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. It's a simple question. Whose strength would you rather go through life with, yours or God's? God's strength. In order to get God's strength, I have to have weaknesses. If I don't have weaknesses, where is he going to manifest his strength? No, I got this one, Lord. I'm good today. Now, I don't need you for a few weeks because we're doing pretty good right now. Okay, see how long you make it on your strength. And I'll just remove myself from this situation. And then I'll wait for you to cry out to me again. You see the cycle of this? If I don't get this into my spirit and realize it is God's strength every day. And it's not just God's strength, but it's my weakness that allows his strength. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. If you come to me and ask me, man, how are things going so well? How do you have such a close walk with God? How, I mean, how do you just pray like that and worship? How do you? Well, I'll tell you how. I'm weak. I'm just flesh. My infirmities. That word infirmities means weaknesses of the flesh. I will glory in my infirmities. Because when I tell you. If, I, if you came to me and asked me, how, how do you keep it together? I mean, I understand, I'm not, I'm not trying to exalt myself at all here. But it, I'm just, for the sake of this situation, if you came to ask me, how do you, how do you, you know, not lose it? 
How do you keep it together? Well, you know, I had to work on that for a lot of years. I had to conquer all of those, you know, this flesh of mine, and I finally got it under control, and I don't even get mad or angry anymore. I'm just cool. Liar. Yeah, he called it. <laughs> but if that's me, where, I am, where's the glory to God in that? Where is the infirmity in that? There is no, there is no honesty there. And further, more importantly, there's no opportunity for God to be glorified there. But if I say, I'm just a man and I have not figured out one thing. I'm 35 years old and I feel like I'm three sometimes. Because the, the problems that I have now, I should have conquered. The, the things that I go through now, I, you know, I should be well on my way. But I'm just human. And all I've tried to do is allow God to fill in every area and every aspect of my humanity. He does it. Most gladly, why don't you stand with me? I'm almost done. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me that the power of Christ may rest upon me that the power of Christ Gideon you're going to go and do these wonderful awesome things you're a mighty man you're going to win victories conquer armies because the power of Christ is going to rest upon you Think about Samson. You know, I, I, I pictured it, and I've read these you know, children's books probably and cartoons that I watched when I was a kid. Samson is kind of like, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking closest thing to Arnold, you know. Ooh, he's buff. He's got all the muscles in all the right places. Well, we depict him like that, right? Because it makes more sense to say if he's going to lift up the gates to a city you know he's got to be a little bit hmm, what's the word yoked but see that he did none of that in his own might none of it in fact the the details of his story are very very similar to everything else that we've talked about here it started with God has a plan to deliver his people. And he's, it started with a visit to the parents of Samson to say, guess what? I have a word for you. I am going to deliver my people. I'm going to do my work through my strength. And I'm going to do it through a child that simply grows up the right way. From the womb, he's going to be a, a Nazarite from the womb is what it called it. He's simply going to enter into a covenant with me, a special relationship. And all that's required is him keeping himself in a place of honesty and commitment. 
the rest of it, you just sit back and watch. Because I, man, it's God's strength. Hallelujah. I feel the strength of God here today. I feel the strength of God here today. I'm thankful for it. He, when he manifests himself, and when he allows himself to come into a room or a situation, all we have to do is acknowledge that. Lord, this is you. It's your power. It's your might. I just, I need to, all I need to do is find my place in this. And thankfully, all, really all that requires is me being honest and saying, here's all I am. Lord, you do the rest. Let's pray. Every eye closed. Jesus, Lord, it's your strength and your power. It's your might that we need. All that we need, Jesus. All that we need. Every situation. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to invite you. If you've been going through struggles or or challenges or trials and you feel like, I don't know how I'm supposed to get through this. I believe the Lord is speaking to us today. I invite you to come and find a place to pray and just be honest with the Lord. That's all he's asking for us today is honesty. Jesus, I can do nothing on my own. Jesus, I can do nothing of my own strength. I need your strength. I'm standing here, Lord, in need of your strength. Not my own power. Not my own might. I'm standing here in need of your strength. God, I confess right now. I confess, Lord, I am just a weak human being. Jesus, I've gotten myself into trouble. I've gotten myself into struggles, Lord, and I, I am acknowledging that right now through openness, God, and honesty in my spirit. I'm acknowledging it so I can lean upon your strength. So I can lean upon your strength, Jesus. It's not through my power. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's talk to the Lord. Let him pour out his strength. Let him pour out his strength.
the Lord was reminding me of a, of a passage in Revelation. And I, uh, I'll confess, I don't know all of the details and every, every part of this story, but there's a visual in there that John had when he was writing, and he had this vision. And he says, I saw these people get crowns placed on their heads. And we know through his writing, he's talking about men and women who've made it to heaven. And God has given them a crown. But it says what they do is they take that crown and they lay it at his feet. They lay it at his feet. This thing that I'm wearing, I, it didn't get here because of my own power. Not because I just worked so well and deserve this. And yeah, I'm going to wear this proudly because, uh, yeah, it's because all the awesome things I did while I was on earth. No, they take it off. They lay it at his feet, symbolizing it's all because of you. It's all through you. I would not have this if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for you. That is the, the sober mindset that we talked about in Romans. That is the proper view of our own selves. But here's the thing. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven to take on that mind frame. No, we, we need to start with that right now. Because it's really, it's ultimately how we get there. Lord, you allowed me to be born. You gave me the family that I grew up with. You gave me the job that I have now, the family that I have now. You allowed me to be here today. You gave me whatever car I drove here in today. It's, it, it's yours. Not, oh, did you see my new wheels out there? <laughs> I'm wearing it proudly. Nope. I'm laying it at his feet. Jesus, I thank you for it today, God. I thank you, God, for the mind that you've given us today. I thank you for the things that you've spoken into our spirits today, Jesus. I'm thankful to you, my God. I'm thankful, Jesus, because of your work and your power. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Before we dismiss, um, my daughter's not going to like me for this very much, but she's got a medical appointment coming up this week. Would you mind going to get Annabelle? I want us to pray for her. She's going to see a, uh, uh, a, a surgeon in Seattle in a few days. And uh, I believe that God has healed her I t I, my, I, my brother was asking for some details uh, a few few days ago and and I was telling him about it and just texting him and I'm thinking how do I word 
what I'm feeling. Because we talked about this last Sunday or Tuesday. With his stripes, we're healed. And he's already done all these things for us. And, and we claim that. We know. So what I told my brother was, I believe God has a healing for her. Not, I'm guilty of this. Oh, man, maybe one of these days he will heal you. He has. Whatever work we're going to see, he's already done it. Now it's just in his timing to allow it to unfold. So, uh, Annabelle, thank you for coming out of your class. Would you come up here? And I'm going to ask the church if you would come and pray. I'm going to ask my wife if you would come and pray for her. We're going to anoint her, Brother Manuel. I'm going to give you this oil to anoint her in prayer. The rest of you, I appreciate what you, uh, you extending your faith to this situation. Amen. Let's all pray in Jesus' name. Lord, in your name. God, we pray today. Praise God. I'm going to ask if there's anyone else that would like us to pray for you before we go. All right. We're going to pray for Sister Mary. Hallelujah.